powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much. Please, everyone, sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to The Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. But before we get into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Daniel Ross. (laughs) What a complete honor to have the voice of Donald Duck on my humble little show. And I love the comments and such, talking about how much they enjoyed the episode. Guys, if you haven't listened to the interview, I encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this episode. It is one of the best ones we ever did. All right. So welcome to episode 128. We have a very cool episode line of you today. We have on the show Shari Hawkins. Shari is a professional track and field athlete who competes for Team USA. She's a gold medalist along with many other accolades and is also an incredible social media presence giving daily lessons affirmations, and so much more. This is a great interview, and I absolutely cannot wait for you to learn more about Shari. So let's get her on out of here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from San Diego, California, mild stomping grounds, folks, Team USA's track and field star, Shari Hawkins. Shari, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather? been by you today you know i'm in san diego so it's been pretty typical san diego weather really beautiful the morning was actually really mystical it was very foggy so as you drive it's almost like the water droplets are falling on your windshield but as you go outside it's still really really nice and warm and it's been pretty great <laughs> you've been in san diego for five years i know exactly what you're talking about i miss it every day yeah where so, do you live now i live in oklahoma Yikes. Yeah, yeah, that is the appropriate response. <laughs> no, I uh, I lived in the I lived in San Diego when I was in the Navy and uh it was I mean I was in my early 20s but I tell you what there are days I give anything to go back. It was the the weather is beautiful and the people are so friendly and yeah. How are you doing like because in the west there's just so many mountains and in the midwest it's so flat. How are you yeah. doing you no know, mountains? Uh, no, I, we don't see any mountains here. It's just yeah. flatter than the top of my computer screen. Yeah, I'm so. from Idaho. So like mm. straight up in the Rocky Mountains, there are mountains at every angle, even when you're in the middle of town. And then mm. I uh, went to school in Utah. And again, mountains absolutely everywhere. And then now I'm in California, which is just those beautiful rolling mountains and cliffs mm. and all of that amazing stuff and so my biggest thing is i've never met, lived in the midwest but the one thing i would always worry about would be the the lack of mountains but mm. i think honestly like i've i've also been to the midwest a lot and i love the people there so i think that there are goods and there's good and bad and everywhere so fine the people are okay we'll <laughs> we'll be there but man the mountains are so nice and all of that variety in everything you get off all four seasons though right maybe two and a half two and a half which ones do you <laughs> lack uh we lack fall oh no yeah it goes straight from winter to a heavy spring and then instantly into summer you get maybe a week or two of what you would call fall, but it goes straight into winter again. So, oh, no. which kills my wife because fall is her favorite season, and she we don't really get to have one here. So, I wonder if that's why so many people like across the United States celebrate fall starting in July. Like as soon as July Fourth is over, they're like, "Hey, it's time for fall." <laughs> everybody's just like, "Why wait until fall happens?" They're like, "Because I get literally." like one day of fall. So in the Midwest, like fall is the avocado of the seasons, right? You mm-hmm. get like two minutes and then it's completely overripe. Is that kind mm-hmm. of what it is? 
pretty much. Yep. Okay, so, got it. Like right now, it's uh, today when I left work, it was 83 degrees. And then I looked on the weather forecast for the next 10 days. It's finally going to break the 70s. So we're like, we're finally getting there. And then I'll, about, it'll be about three weeks of the 70s. And they'll go instantly into the 40s, 30s, 20s, and so forth until around March of next year. Yeah, the wonderful thing about growing up in Idaho is that it's so there's so much fall. Honestly, between late August and I guess lately it's been a lot hotter in August, but since for September until November, it's very fall. And then winter hits and there's almost absolutely no spring. It's all of a sudden like the it's snowing and then the snow melts and it's like, wow, the snow is melting. And then it's like 90 degrees. So kind of the opposite, like the closer you get to the West and then you get to the West coast and it's, you get a little, you get a little bit of fall in the winter time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's just beautiful summer all the time. So it's pretty nice here. I start my interviews off with the same way. How has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic? You know what? It's so crazy because looking back on it, I think with COVID was something that I think affected us all so differently and so drastically in so many different ways. For me personally, um, that was pretty much the reason I decided to get my ankle surgery because the Olympics were supposed to be that year and the Olympics were postponed. I was walking around on a broken ankle. So I was like, you know what? I need to get my surgery and then we'll have time. We'll come back. Unfortunately, I didn't have time didn't come back and I didn't make the team in 2021. And it was so brutal mentally on me. Is it something I would have done over? Probably because you kind of take a look at the steps that you've taken when you fall so hard and how much it pushes you. And I found myself in such a mentally low space that it pushed me to get so invested in my mental trait toughness and my mental health and my mental fortitude and my mental resilience. And that's kind of how I ended up coming up with my own mental training program that's helped me. I mean, the next year I ended up becoming the American champion. And before that, I had never actually won a medal on U.S. soil as an American professional athlete. So went from never winning ever to being the American champion. So it was a pretty cool experience And looking back on it, you know, sometimes the hard falls are kind of what make you the most triumphant. So. Absolutely. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? What was it like growing up there? And I also read you are the youngest of five children. Yes. I'm the youngest of five. And all of my um, siblings went to college for sports. So my oldest sibling was a pitcher in softball. Um, My then I had two brothers. Uh, both of them played college uh, basketball. And my sister, who is six one, uh, she played both volleyball and basketball in college. And then there was me. I kind of did my own thing. I went the track and field route, um, but have always been involved in sports pretty much my whole life. You know, that was like a big part of my family's activities together. You know, like my dad was a basketball coach. And so on Sundays, we would go do family time. By going in, I, you know, I think my parents thought it was let's go play at the gym, but what they didn't realize is it was really let's go do drills and get all of our kids like way better. And we were all like, oh, this is just one extra day of practice. But looking back on it, you know, I think um, it really was so fun because in the end we would do like scrimmages and we would play like that was what was nice about having like a family of seven is we could get put up a volleyball court and we could literally volley back and forth and play games. So it was really fun growing up. I was the youngest. And so my oldest sister was 12 years older than me. So by the time I was, you know, in high school, everybody was out of the house and I kind of had the kingdom to myself. And I was a typical <laughs> youngest where my everybody like Shari's the favorite. My mom was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, think it's because, I think I think youngests are the favorite because we uh, see all of the things that our siblings do that make our parents mad. And we're like, okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Noted. My mom doesn't like it when people do that to her. And then we just like are just suck ups. And so every, our parents just love us so much. So with siblings that were, you know, pulled in all different directions with different uh, athletics, were they all ingrained in you to try, hey, you should do softball, hey, you should do basketball or track and field something you found that you're just into at a very early age? Yeah, I mean, I did basketball. I did. Vol- I actually thought I would go to college for volleyball. That was for me. That was my sport. I was a setter and I loved it so much. I got really, really good at it, but I'm five, six. 
And so it kind of turned into this space where if I had gotten my sister's height, even a little bit of my sister's height, I mean, that could have been potentially something that I would do. But um, it was it was really like interesting because the only reason I even got into track and field was because my friends were doing cross country when I was in seventh grade. And they're like, do you want to do cross country? And I said, ew, gross. No, leave me alone. <laughs> Running is so dumb. Like, why would you do that? And then all of a sudden at lunch and when all my friends were hanging out, they were talking about their cross country practices and their cross country meets and they were leaving school so they could go to their meets. And I just had FOMO, you know? So when track and field came around that season, I didn't really want to miss out again. So I joined the track and field life and got, you know, into track. And then it's so funny because all of my friends ended up quitting track and then I stayed doing it for literally forever. So (laughs) it was an interesting story, but I think really what it was is just, I kind of found the best opportunity for my own success. And then I kind of followed that route. Nice. That should be on a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So why heptathlon? So I was a state champion in the long jump, the high jump, and the hurdles, and those are all involved in the heptathlon. And so I remember getting recruited and my coaches were like, you know, like you don't have to, like, we'd love for you to just like specialize and do like the hurdles and the long jump. Like that's totally normal. People do that all the time, but you should definitely, since you're pretty decent at the high jump as well, you should try out the heptathlon. And I tried it out and I just really liked it. I thought it was super fun. It gave me a lot of anxiety. I'm going to be honest. Like it gave me a lot of stress, but there's something about me is when I know there's a lot of work to be done. I got to do the work. Like it's, it's like fun because, uh, I think a lot of people are like, oh man, like, and I think that's pretty normal when we're, we look at the mountain we have to climb and we're like, man, this is going to be so hard. Like, I don't even want to start, you know, but there is something so awesome about the journey up the mountain when you're like, dang, I'm really doing it. You know what I mean? And so I think I saw all of the potential possibilities that the heptathlon had to offer, which for anybody listening, the heptathlon is a track and field event that is seven events over two days. So it's hurdles, high jump, shot put 200 meters, and that's day one. And then it's long jump javelin. And then we, after doing all of those events, we just go and run the 800 and none of us are equipped to do so. So we just run as hard as we can collapse on the ground. And then we're like, yay, we did it. What's your, what's your highest vertical jump? You know what? That's actually a really good question. I don't think I've measured my vertical in a long time. The last time I measured it was about 38 inches. I want, no, 28, 28. I don't want to, I won't want to overexert myself because it could, (laughs) it could be 38, but I don't want people to be like, wow. And then it'd be 28. So it's, it's one of those two, but I will say if this helps the highest box jump I've ever jumped onto is a 50 inch box jump. Okay. So I do know that because it was my school record for box jumps. So what led you joining Team USA? Pretty much joining Team USA looks like you have to make a team, whether that's a Thorpe Cup team or a World Championship team or a World Cup team or the Pan American team. It's basically a qualification situation. So I had, like I said, I had such bad anxiety going through college. I just, especially performance anxiety. I learned, you know, long story short, that I was attaching so much of my value as a person onto my actual sport. And like I said, I see a mountain, I have to go climb it. And so I knew this was something I had to tackle. And so instead of, you know, stopping after college, I was like, I can't, I know I'll regret stopping because I know I have so much more potential. So I kept pushing through. And eventually in 2017, I made my first team USA, which I made the Thorpe cup. Um, so we flew to Germany, we got our team USA. It was really, really exciting. And you know, then I was like, you know, my next step is I really want to make a world championship team. That was my goal. Um, 2018 was an off year, so there was no world championships. So we trained through, I moved to England actually, um, during that time because it was an off season. It was kind of perfect. Um, got to go train. I got my master's degree in education and then came back and went all out for it and made the world championship team in 2019. And it was just, such an exciting time. Uh, I had also kind of tackled that anxiety. Um, still had a lot more mental work to do, which we talked about after not making the the Olympics, but my performance anxiety was like so much more handled and it was just like a really cool opportunity. But that's kind of like the stages of making like a team, you know, top, I want to say it's top 10 in the US 
will make a Thorpe Cup team at least. And then um, the top three in the U.S. will make the Olympics or make the world championship team. So that's kind of how the process goes in that in regard. What did you think of the English? Oh, my gosh, I'm obsessed. I love them. so much. <laughs> like, really, I genuinely the way that they like just their energy, the vibe, the way they think, the way they talk, like they're just so much fun and they really are just so sarcastic. And it's so funny. You know, what's interesting It mm. English people is there's two things. Number one, they are shocked that any other person except for English people are sarcastic. Like they did, they didn't know it existed outside of England. Like truly every time I'll say something sarcastic, they're like, are you serious? It was that sarcasm. I'm like, it was sarcasm. They're like, wait, did you just pick that up from being here? I'm like, no, I'm just a person. Like that's, you know what I mean? And then the second thing is it does not matter if the weather is amazing or if the weather is horrible, they are not happy with the weather. Yeah. Um, it's either way too hot or this weather is absolutely dreadful. Like, and there's nothing in between. And I, it's just, it's the best. I, I, I loved it there. It was great. I'm from. I'm originally from Wales. Amazing. And I was in. I was what? I was in England. What? Two weeks ago. So yeah, it was. Oh. Unfortunately, I was there. I landed at Heathrow, and three hours later, the Queen was dead. Oh my gosh! Wait, not, you have yeah. got. Um, you have got to tell me what the vibe was going. Like everybody must have been losing. It was. Mind. It was. It felt like someone. Everybody got like a baseball bat to the knee. It was. Everyone was just kind of just like like the lights were on, but no one was home. Yeah. And the, and the funny thing is, like I said, I mean, not really funny, but. We landed, we landed in the morning in Heathrow, and we were driving up to Nottingham to see some friends of mine. Love Nottingham. And we're driving on the way up there, and um, you hear on the BBC, you know, the Queen's been taken ill, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm like, oh, it's the Queen. She'll bounce back. She'll live forever. Yeah. She has, you know? Yeah, that's the whole plan. That was yeah. the plan. And so we, we finally get to Nottingham, and, you know, we, we get on, we're getting unsettled and what have you. And we're watching the TV, and all of a sudden they cut in, and they see the standard being lowered. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And next thing I know, they break in saying Her Majesty has has died. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, no. And my wife looks at me and she goes, why? I said, all the Americans are going to think we did it. <laughs> so anyway, we were there. And we were there for about, you know, three or four days before we left. We went to Italy. But, um, yeah, the whole the vibe, it was the everyone was just kind of like numb. And then, of course, you get the people who, you know, they're anti-monarchy. They're like, oh, no big deal, whatever. And you got the people who were actually, you know, were very big fans of the lady and what have you. And it was just four days of just... It, you can't put it's just right place at the right time, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And then when we flew back from Italy, we were in London for another day or two, and we were, we had tickets to go see the Tower of London. I'd never been there, and I, I grew up there, but I'd never been there. And uh, we, we found out the, the crown jewels weren't there, so my wife was like, oh, "No, I'm not doing that." So we we ended up leaving. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely an experience. I haven't seen anything yeah. like that since Princess Diana died. Yeah, you know, that is so interesting. It is so interesting how like life and death like brings people together mm -hmm. and in like such an odd way and how like somebody that potentially you'd never met but you had just been watching your entire life like mm -hmm. uh like just empties your body and mm -hmm. it's so weird like it's almost like you're void of emotion in general and then you just have this ickiness behind it and I'm sure that's what the entire country was feeling. Just a heavy, heavy vibe. Um, I ask, I've had other uh, athletes on the show. I've had two Olympians on the show, and I've asked them the same question I'm about to ask you. When you arrive at a competition, what is your pregame ritual? What, what, what do you do Ooh. to get yourself psyched up? Okay. So the first thing that I like to do is um, I like to ask myself, how can I make this the same as practice? Um, because I practice really well. I'm an amazing practicer. And sometimes I try to do too much before competitions. And all of a sudden, my entire routine completely shifts. And now, like, I'm doing, I'm just doing, I'm, and now I'm in my head because I'm hyping this up way more than it needs to be. It also sends this signal to my subconscious mind that, like, what I've already done, what I already do on a day to day isn't good enough. So I have to do something extra. Um, like, I must do something extra. So I try to get my hotel room, the things I'm eating the people I'm talking to and like my regular schedule or whatever, I like to keep it like as similar as possible. So I'll do like a little stretch before bed, which is what I do anyways. I'll, um, what I will do is I get my training journal, which I don't necessarily always do this before I go to bed, um, at practices, but I'll kind of write out what my plan for my competition is going to look like, how I'm going to wake up, how I'm going to feel, how I'm going to feel when I'm at the, pra at the track, 
what time I'm going to get there, how it's going to feel when I do really well in the hurdles and like all that kind of stuff. I'll just kind of like, you know, I, what did I call it? I, I, I accidentally came up with this word today. Oh, a preflection of the day. Um, so instead of like doing like a reflection of like, oh my goodness, it felt so amazing to do this X, Y, Z. It's almost like I'm doing it before I'm doing a preflection of how everything felt, felt while I did it. So before it even happens. Um, so I do that a little bit cause I just really like that. It gets me into like this, this good energy as well. So, and then I just try to get like good night's rest. I actually try to give myself a lot more rest than I think I need mostly because sometimes you wake up and you're like, man, I need like another hour of sleep, you know, and you just don't want to feel like that in a competition day. So I might go to bed like maybe an hour earlier or something like that. So that's kind of my day. And other than that, I just try to keep it as normal as possible. Do you have like a music you listen to when you get to the, to the meets or anything like that or? Yeah. So, um, I just started implementing music, honestly, two years ago, because I used to never listen to music because I'm very easily swayed by music. And so I had Mm. to be careful. I'm a very sensitive soul, which I love that about myself. It also like, it doesn't get me in trouble. It gets other people in trouble because I'm like, why would you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I'm a very sensitive soul, but so music can like move me very well. And I I'll start crying if I'm so inspired, but like, I don't want to cry before for a competition. No, absolutely. So I have to be really careful, but the good news is um, when you have your own music selection, you can make your own playlist that's going to give you vibes that are only going to get you pumped up, fired up. So that's been really, really good. And I've been like implementing that more and more um, within my training, which is cool. Many athletes talk about the zone. Do you experience that? Yeah. So I learned a few years ago that there's actually like ways to get in the zone. Uh, so it's not just like a happenstance, something that happens to you. It's something that you can actually recreate for yourself. And I've learned that and I put it into my own mental training. I practice getting into the zone all of the time. Almost every practice that I'm in, I practice the way of getting into the zone. So when I'm at my actual competition, I already know how to do it. I don't have to try to force anything, which is, has been like really, really helpful. Cause basically the zone like to, to really like narrow down what the zone is. The zone is being able to do the thing that you've, you already know how to do it without thinking about it. Think about uh, signing your name on a piece of paper. You know how to do that. Now try to think about trying to match. Like I do this, um, I created like uh, my mental training program and I do this practice for my my mental training program and where you sign, I have you sign your name on a piece of paper and then just below it, um, I have you try to copy that signature exactly the same so that it looks identical to it. And you can take your time, but you have to make sure that you think about it. You have to trade, like make it look exactly the same right below it. And then right below that, just go ahead, turn your brain off and sign your name again, just how you normally do it. Then you look at all three of those and you kind of say, which one of these looks like my signature? And it's going to be the top two, the the top one and the bottom one, right? Because those are the ones that you're turning off your brain. You're just letting what you already know how to do, do. And that right there, that signing your signature, that is the flow state. So being able to recreate what you've already known how to do and just let yourself do it. That's how you get in the flow. There's a way to do it. There's step-by-step processes that I love taking people through because it's really, really helpful. And yeah, I mean, that was the way, honestly, that was the way that I was able to, in 2021, I didn't have, because of COVID, I didn't have access to any facilities for high jump. I ended up finding a high school right before trials to practice some high jump because I had absolutely no high jumping. But what I was doing is I was using the flow state to practice it visually and then learning how to get into that, tapping into that every single day. And I ended up Get, um, and I'm five, six, I ended up jumping six, um, six feet and a half that year and almost absolutely no practice. It was a PB and I did it on my first attempt. So really, really, really helpful. The flow state. That's awesome. Now you've won gold in the USA track and field indoor championships. Mm-hmm. Talk us through the moment, you know, you've won to getting your medal. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest. I, I kind of knew I won this is super weird, but I kind of knew I won after shot put. This was so interesting because I hadn't done a pentathlon in two, three years, 
four, three, three or four years. And so it was my first pentathlon in a long time. And I had never been more focused for a longer amount of time than this pentathlon. I was so, so, so focused. And I had such an incredible first three events. That was the thing is I had such an incredible first three events that it was going to be really hard for anybody to catch me at that point because my first three had just been so amazing. That's the thing about the HEP is after the first three events, um, you still have four more, you know what I mean? But after the PENT, if you have three really amazing events, it's kind of your event to lose at this point. I didn't even have, I had a really poor long jump, unfortunately, but honestly, then I was able to pull out a de- like, not, I wouldn't say a decent time in, in the 800, but I would say a decent placement. Like, it's so funny. I watched that video back and we all just looked like a herd of cows. Like none of us wanted to go fast. And we were all just like, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to walk across this line. It was so funny. But yeah, so we all just, all of us were like, looked at our times. So we were like, woo. There was actually this moment of, frustration after the win, mostly because I only had to run a 218 for me to get an automatic qualifier. Like you hit the standard, you're going to world championships. And I went, I went to 23. I'm not even going to say that that's like, oh, that's such a bad time. But my PB is 215. Like I can run a two and I was in incredible shape. It was like, weird because for the first three events, I was so focused. And because there was like maybe potentially something in my head that like was like, good job, you did it. And it's like, it felt like I almost gave up, even though I like, I didn't, I didn't give up. But it's like, there was something in me that didn't allow me to finish strong. And I didn't love that. That was something I had to kind of go back to the drawing board with that. But nonetheless, it was like really amazing. Because uh, up until that moment, I was somebody who would find a way to lose. Uh, regardless, like even if I had done so well, like I'd find a way to not get the medal. And the fact that I had finished it, gotten the medal, that was what I was there to do. That was a really proud moment. So it was a little bittersweet. It was more sweet than bitter, I would say, because I did end up still going to world championships. So it all worked out. Um, I had to get there by like, they take like the top, uh, tw- I think it's the top 12, top 12 in the world. And so I did end up staying within that top 12 ranking. So I still, I still got to go and it was an amazing experience. A big lesson learned there as well. Jeez Louise, but it was good. So as a professional athlete, yeah. how do you stay in such good shape? I'll, I'm going to be like perfectly forthright with you. It's a Thursday at the moment and my season starts on a Monday. And right at this moment, I have to say, I'm not in good shape at all whatsoever. I'm starting at like level one, but the, the great thing about that is, first of all, I needed it. It's my off season. Um, my season starts on Monday. I'm so, so excited for it to start. And I feel like mentally, I'm really excited for it to start too. I have absolutely no problem with getting out of shape whatsoever. As long as I know the mountain I'm about to climb. And like I said before, I'm willing to climb it, right? So the biggest thing for me to getting into shape, because staying in shape isn't as, I feel like the hard part for a lot of people is getting into shape. It's, it's hard to do. It's, it really is. And the biggest thing I would have to say is I have to show up every day. It's consistency. It's not what you do. It's not like even how you think. It's just being willing to show up. Consistency is going to be what keeps you or gets you and keeps you into shape. Because just like me, I was in the best shape of my life in July. You know what I mean? And then now I am at square one. So it's like best shape of your life now, because I wasn't consistent in my workouts, which is good because I have to rest, but like, because I wasn't consistent in my workouts, now I'm no longer. So whether you're getting in shape or keeping in shape, like that consistency is key. Absolutely key. Awesome. So I want to ask you about 30 days with Shari. Mm -hmm. Based on what I've read, it's the incredible all-encompassing program that checks both the physical and the mental boxes. Can you please tell my listeners more about it? Yeah. So when I didn't make the team in 2021 and I kind of fell down that rabbit hole, really had to get back on my mental game. I have my master's and bachelor's um, degree in education. So I just had to find a way for me to be able to proactively mentally train because I was really incredible at Um, I had a sports psychologist, I have currently have a sports psychologist who basically I bring him my issues and he tells me how I can 
fix it. It's very reactive um, mental training. Um, but I didn't have a way to proactively mentally train. But that's how I like to train. That's how I show up to practice every day. We show up to practice to compete for upcoming competitions. We don't go to competitions and then fix things, right? We proactively put our efforts in so that we can be the best possible. And so because of that, I feel I felt so strongly that I needed to be better mentally. And honestly, creating 30 Days with Shari, it started out as something that I was doing for myself. And then I just loved it so much. I was like, you know what? I really want to share this because I wish I had more proactive mental training for myself, for not only my sport, but just as an individual. Like sometimes we just want to do some self-progression, you know? I think that one of the biggest things that everybody would uh, probably agree on is that the key to happiness is continuous progression. When we're continuously progressing in any way, like we, whether it's our relationships are progressing forward, whether our career is progressing forward, whether our fitness levels are progressing forward, whatever it looks like, um, we find joy in that um, self-progression. And so um, sometimes I just want to get better, whether it's at my sport or in my life. So um, that's kind of like what 30 Days with Shari is. It's really amazing for athletes because again, I take you through mental training, just like I would take you through as a teacher in a curriculum. So basically you get three days, I mean, sorry, 30 days, 30 days with Shari, and you get three activities a day. So we start off, we do a podcast um, and it's a video podcast where I'm just basically sitting on a couch chatting with you about the tool of the day. We have kind of a theme that happens every single day. And I do like tool of the day where I show, I share with you, you know, um, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about self-accountability today. And this is not only what self-accountability is, why it's super important, but I've also created steps so that you can be more self-accountable and have it sustain over time. So I know I give you like the tools of actual success with it, not just talk to you about why it's important. Then after you're done with those pod podcasts, which are really digestible, honestly, they're just between seven and 10 minutes. We hit onto an everyday amazing challenge. And basically this is going to be me going after and challenging you to really reflect on what you learned and apply it to your life, put it into your daily life. And sometimes it looks a little different. Sometimes we drink water while we're clearing subconscious negative energy at the same time. Sometimes I make you say 20 nice things about yourself and you have to like keep track of them every single day and see what that looks like. And then sometimes it's about checking in on yourself and I show you exactly how to do so, so that not only can you correctly check in on how you're doing and how you're feeling, but you can do it every day now if that's something that really suits you. And you can kind of take what you love of it and you can leave what's not interesting because there's so much information within these 30 days. And then the third thing that we do is we do a little workout. The workouts are very easy to do. Every single person can do them. It's a lot of physical therapy work. So we do fun stretches. We do like hit high intensity training intervals. We do a lot of balance. We do glutes. We do core. We just, we hit it all. A little bit of things that I've been taught by my physical therapist to keep me healthy, to keep my heart rate up, maybe like a really great warm up. I teach you a little bit of the A skip, B skip, make it a little in, into a little workout. Here and there, it's just a little bit of everything. But while we're doing that, I'm also instilling what I taught you earlier, that theme of the day. And I say, like, hey, I know you want to quit right now, but today we're talking about self-accountability and you, I've only got you for two more minutes. So stay strong, hold yourself accountable, practice that right now. So we're connecting that mind and the body at the same time. Which leads me now into my next question. Okay. And this is kind of a lengthy one. So bear with me. Okay. Based on what you're telling me, you know, you've been a strong ally for spreading awareness for, you know, good mental health. I've asked this question before of, of other athletes who've been on my show, and that is, in 2020, Simone Biles stepped back from Olympic competition because of mental health struggles and shone a light on the mental fatigue that elite athletes face. What do you think could be done to help support athletes at your level? That's a really good question. I think, honestly, the, the best thing is for more people to understand that uh, athletes are human. And they're not even like – it's so interesting because – I do think that people see athletes as caricatures sometimes and they forget that uh, we have like a heartbeat and a head and a head that's not a robot head that like still thinks about random 
thoughts and like we have intrusive weird thoughts that are like oh why would I think that and we play with our nieces and our nephews and we laugh and we smile and we cry at sad movies and we care about what people say about us and I think that a lot of times um, I did see an interesting documentary um, preview that hasn't released yet um, that talks about me- the mental health of athletes and it talks about um, it, it talks to some fans, some super fans. And some of the super fans are like, no, honestly, like athletes, like they're so incredible and like, they have so much pressure. How do they do it? And some of them are like, they know what the job is. Like this is their job. They need to go do it. Um, and it's so interesting how, uh, separated we are from the fact that athletes are actually human beings that this, like you're like, no matter what your job is, like think of your job, put it in my job is X, like their job is just athlete. And because they are an athlete, like they have to move their body, they have to do this. And it is important to train your mind a little bit, but like they are doing their best. You know what I mean? And a lot of times like it does get too much. And I always say it isn't if you mentally struggle in life, it's when, because it, I think it's kind of wild um, to think that there's, there might be a day, there might never come a day where you don't have like a mental breakdown of some sort. Like everyone, you know, has had a mental breakdown at some point in their life, like where they just mentally, yeah, like (laughs) we all, we all do it. Like, and so I think like the biggest thing that would genuinely help everyone on this entire planet, not just athletes, but definitely athletes is like just the understanding of like the broad community of the importance of knowing that people are human beings. And so if somebody cuts you off in the road and you honk at them for like 30 seconds, it's like, they really probably didn't see you. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, they really are human beings. And like, maybe you were in their blind spot or, you know, like not everyone is out to get everyone, you know, kind of a thing. And just being like understanding of like the fact that people are human. Cause I really do think that we get so lost in our own brains that we just assume that like, oh, we would have been fine in that situation because I would have been trained so perfectly and I would have never had a bad day if I had all of the things they have. So that's fine. And it's like, they forget that like everybody is just human doing their own experience. Okay, Duval Nation, we need to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Shari Hawkins. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths. You know... Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of the show, and we will be right back. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated, and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, it's Presley Tennant and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. 
You can find my brand new EP 600 Miles on all streaming platforms right now. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Welcome to Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindalyn. My name is Billy Milovanovich, a.k.a. Bildo. My name is Lindsay Kirkwood, also known as Lindalyn. And this is our offensively funny podcast about drinking wine and chatting life. Some of our previous topics include conspiracy theories. I know somebody that thinks the world's flat. What? Like a real person? Yes. Body ailments. I'm going to go from toes up because I have a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but I have so many body ailments. what elements. happens with age, guys. And I know. And orgasms. I'm a little bit frustrated and it just hasn't been happening. I, I'm trying, Henry's trying, we're all trying, but when orgasming is good, it's good. Basically, we talk about all the things that you would generally talk about over wine with your girlfriends. New episodes out each Monday. Chat, Chat soon. Hey there, this is Frankie Ray and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. My latest single, Over Now, is available on all streaming platforms. Hope you like it. everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 128 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with Team USA track and field star Shari Hawkins. You are incredibly popular on social media as you share your tips for succeeding in track and field where did the idea come to start doing that on your on your social media and who does the filming great question i started doing stuff on social media actually as kind of like the version of me doing a journal because i didn't want to actually do a journal and so it was kind of my way of, like my coach was making us do a journal and i didn't want to um and so i was like oh like i'll post it every day i had like no i think i had like 400 followers or something like that and so I was like, and then I'll just give myself tips. And he was like, okay, cool. Like, and it has a video so you can go back and watch it. Like he was cool with it. So I was like, cool, kind of a cool idea. And then it just kind of started getting a smidge more popular. Like I'm not saying anything crazy, but just like a little more popular. And then in 2017, I made my first Team USA. And that was when my social media kind of started to like grow a little quicker. And pretty soon, to be honest, I started falling into like a category where I found that like, I didn't really like it. Like I felt like I needed to be really posy and like be really beautiful all the time in order for me to get quote unquote likes. 
You know what I mean? And it started getting me like, okay, like I don't look good in this picture. So nobody's going to like this. And I really hated it. I really hated that I was being like, I, I was judging myself, even probably people weren't even judging me, but like, I was just assuming that like, oh yeah, like I have to be like a 10 out of 10 beautiful, which come on, that's so silly. Like, uh, that's so unfortunate that like that went through my head. But I, I told myself, I was like, you know what? That was not the purpose of this. Like, that was never the purpose of this. And I remember being like, I'm rebranding. Like, and I remember being like, I'm rebranding. I didn't even have like a big social following by then, like at all. Like, but I was like, I'm rebranding because I just was so unhappy with the way that I was feeling about myself. And so what I have always done is I have my bachelor's and my master's in education. And my dad was basketball coach. I've been running basketball camps since I was young. And so I thought it was like interesting to start being like, Hey, like here's how to do a skips because I think it's hard. I think it can be hard. And I think people just really loved that. They love the information and I, I loved creating the information. And so I hired a videographer. His name's Chris. He's amazing. And so he and I just like once a week will meet and I'll have, you know, everything that I want to teach lined up. I'll look at a lot of times I'll look at my program that I'm doing and I'll say like, okay, cool. Look at the drills that I'm doing and being like, oh, this is a cool drill. I should teach this drill kind of a thing. And we'll film it. It'll be really fun. And then um, I'll, we'll put it together, put it up. So it's been a really, really awesome thing. There's a lot of times though, like I get like super nervous, like posting on social media still, which is so funny, but that's brings it back to like, no matter where you go, you still like, you know, you're, you're still the same person. You know what I mean? Like, even when you write it right at the beginning, like you get like really nervous, like do people, are good people going to like this? Um, to like all the way, like when you like grow, like a really incredible following where, you know, people really have your back and like, you love the community, but still it's like, you still want to do a good job. You're like, Oh, are they going to think this is weird? You know, kind of thing. And it's the same thing with track, like for any athletes or people who assume that people who have like, uh, this amazing career. Like they must just have all this confidence in the world. Like I remember like when I was in high school, getting so nervous before me, I still get those same nerves. Like nothing's changed. Like as human beings, we just, we continue to grow and grow and grow. So be okay with the fact of like who you are can still grow to be like all the way as tall and as big and as amazing as you want to be. And you still get to be yourself because that's what everybody who's quote unquote successful is walking around doing. They're just themselves. And like, they, they, they've just grown up a little bit, but like nothing's changed. Like they don't all of a sudden have all this confidence. They don't want all of a sudden, like we learn and we grow and we have expertise and we have wisdom and that's amazing. But like, we don't all of a sudden become completely different people with absolutely no insecurities. And I think that that's really important for people to understand. I've been doing this show now for three years and I've been very blessed to have great guests and a great following. And every episode I put out, I think exactly the same way. Are they going to like it? Do people, is, is no one going to hear this, you know, outside of, you know, a few friends. I know that's a complete lie, but it's what your brain tells you, like you exactly say, your brain can be either your best friend or your worst ally. So no, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's just like, it doesn't matter. It's just, and I think that's helpful to see celebrity, even celebrities, like they even are like, man, what am I doing here? How did I freaking get that? That was lucky. And this, that was a fluke. Like they're thinking that too. Like, yes, yeah. I know that for a fact. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, you know, brand, how much work does it take to build your, what you're currently doing, your brand and how hard is it every day to create new content? Yeah, honestly, um, I think the content creation is like sometimes the trickiest part, especially because um, I don't like to bring like um, I don't like to bring social media into track into my practices too, too often. I really want to stay like as focused as I can. So sometimes my coach is a deer and will get like just without me even asking, will like get a video of me or will film something to actually take a look at it. Um, for practice use. And so then I'm like, yes, I, now I have content. It's really great. <laughs> so sometimes I get lucky and I get content just for being out doing my job. Um, but it is something that if you do want to get content, you just have to kind of make the time for it, make it a priority. Um, I wouldn't say that's like insanely hard. Um, I would say really what it is, it is it can be really tedious to create something new, uh, find a new idea. And then honestly, just, um, when you're really tired, like at the end of the day being like, okay, like 
okay, I'll do it. Three, two, one, go. And like, that's what I really like about having uh, a videographer is like, I have somebody meeting me, so I literally can't not go. Right. <laughs> you know? So it was really helpful for me because I remember like when I would just kind of get content on my own, I'd be like, nah, like I'm good. <laughs> you know, all the time it's really easy to kind of like just decide you're not going to do it but when you have like a set person that you're meeting like you're going to show up so I would say like hard in the fact of like like level difficulty level I wouldn't say it's like insanely difficult like anybody can do it if it's something that you really want to do like and you want to pursue do it hold yourself accountable go get it done it's not impossible to get done it's it's tedious and you just got to be willing to be consistent just like working out it's it's not really that hard but it's tedious and you got to keep going consistently and i think that's just kind of how everything is with life like just it's so crazy how everything's so connected so you mentioned earlier in the beginning of the interview your ankle injury yeah um what would you would you say up to this point is that been the hardest obstacle you've had to overcome i think i think so you know it's so interesting because i actually think that uh, the, the, I do, I did fall into like quite a depression, not making the Olympics. And that was probably the lowest I've ever felt depression wise, like really, really, really scary situation for me and like place to be in place. I'd never want to be again mentally, like in my thought process and like my ideations and all that kind of stuff. But I will say that the getting the ankle surgery and then for the next year, I don't think I went one practice day without pain until I think it was like May 1st was the first day I didn't have pain. And the next day I had like a pretty traumatic crash in the hurdles. And I, we thought I broke my leg, like my femur. We thought like, it was really, really scary. And we thought I broke a rib. It was like really traumatic, really scary. And mentally put my, I was terrified of hurdles and I had only been high jumping for like two weeks. So now I couldn't high jump anymore. I couldn't even put my, I couldn't even walk. So, and it was, I want to say it was eight weeks before the trials or like six weeks before the trials. So before the trials, I was on a bike and I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. I had to actually inject my foot myself um, just to be able to walk before the trials. So I had to get a prescription from a doctor of um, injecting um, lidocaine to numb my foot so that I could run because it was so painful. And that year was the most because it was I think it was the longevity because I don't think I got like as dark as I got um, when I didn't make the Olympics, which to be fair, probably the reason I got so dark was because of the year leading up to it and how much stress it was. And then not making the team was probably how I got to that place. So to be fair, it was probably all one year, but that like year was, I will say like a pretty miserable year because every day going home and I was just trying so hard to be positive, but I went home bawling. I would just come home absolutely in tears because the whole practice I was in so much pain I just didn't know how I was going to do it I ended up getting a pb at trials at the end of the day and I had a horrible day too but I think I got like 160 point personal best in day one it was insane um and did incredible so it's just like realistically looking back now like I'm so proud of myself for like getting through that time and I think if you find yourself like a little piece of advice is like if you find yourself in like a dark time and like I said it's never I I hate that I just said if when the next time if you are now what I'm what I was trying to say before but now I want to say when you eventually or if you are now find yourself in a really hard time like know that if you keep pushing through and if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, like there's going to be a moment in the future where you're going to look back at yourself and you're like, I cannot believe I did that. Like, I'm so proud of myself for like staying in it when it was so hard. So just like take that into consideration because it really, really was super tough. One of my favorite quotes ever was from Michael Jordan. It was uh, limits like fears are often just an illusion. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. So do you ever go onto YouTube and watch some of your old competitions? Mm, I haven't actually. Really? Yeah, not, not really. Um, I don't like, I don't go like, sometimes I'll look at, um, when I'm like, I'll put together, like I'll find competitions after I just do them and I'll put together a video to kind of show everybody how the competition went. And so I do technically see the competitions, but 
yeah, uh, competition wise, I don't really go back now, uh, technical wise, like after practice and stuff, I'll go back through and really review the footage and take notes and try to get better. And then like at right after a competition, like my coach and I will kind of go over it together and say like, okay, do you see that you're not actually bringing your penultimate through? Like, do you see that? Okay, cool. Let's work on it kind of a thing. So yes and no, I don't think I like go back and watch it just to be like, oh, like, let's watch me compete because <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm like that proud of any right. of my performances. Maybe if I was a gymnast and I had like a perfect 10 competition, I'd be like, oh my goodness, let me watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> but personally, I don't think I ever have. Hmm. Now, you mentioned you have a bachelor's and a master's degree. Uh, do you have any favorite memories from your time at Utah State University? Oh, man. I mean, the thing that's so awesome about um, my university experience in undergrad was just all the incredible people I met and all the fun memory. I mean, the thing is, is you're you're like independent for the first time. Right. So your parents aren't going to tell you not to go to bed, even though it's like 2 a.m. Like nobody's going to tell you not to go to bed. So you're going to just like sit up and like talk about theories like with your friends until like five o'clock in the morning. And like talk about just the weirdest stuff and like laugh like harder than you've ever laughed in your life. You know, like that, those are what those memories are going to be. And I think like, there's just, there were so many of like those incredible moments for me. Um, that is just like amazing. And then Bath was like, I went to the university of Bath. That's where I ended up going in England. And I mean, it was just such an incredible experience and I got so much stronger. I learned so much about like sprint technique there. And I felt like also there was something in me that felt like, ah, like, I don't know if I can do it. And it was weird. Cause like going to England, there was this new sense of like, yes, I can. That really helped me. Honestly, I think going to England was the reason that I'm still here now um, as an athlete, because there was a good chance that if I would have stayed in the States that, um, and competed just in the United States, that probably would have been my last year. Um, and the next year after that, I made the world team. So I'm so glad that I kept going. But I think Bath was like a huge reason. It I put like, I think I put 150 points on my score. So it kind of allowed me to kind of be within striking distance to go to a world championships. So it was really big for me um, in a lot of ways. Um, if someone listening was interested in getting into track and field, what would be the best advice that you could give them? That's a really good question. I would say to try out all of the events, like do everything, like really, really, like, I know it's horrible. Run the 5k. You know what I mean? Like run, try everything, maybe like practice the steeplechase before you try it, because that thing is brutal, but it's like, try hurdles, like try the long jump, try the high jump, try the pole vault, like really try it. Because I think if I could go way back, I probably would have put a lot more emphasis on pole vault. I think pole vault is so cool. And I was a gymnast growing up too. So like, I think I could have been kind of good at it. And then I can jump and like, I don't know. I just think it would have been really, really fun. And the pole vaulters in America are incredible. So it would have been a lot of competition, but like, I think it would have just been so much fun to give it a go. And, but I never really gave it a fair shot. I remember trying it one time and I didn't know you had to hold on to the, like, I didn't think about how much gravity was going to take on you when you like actually got into the air. So I didn't hold on that tight and I slipped right down the pole. And it was really embarrassing. I didn't like hurt myself or anything, but it was really embarrassing. People were like laughing. And in my mind, I was already decent at high jump and long jump. So, um, and I hadn't tried hurdles yet, but I was already decent. So I was like, ah, like, I'm just going to go ahead and stick with what I know. But like, I would say like, if you're young and you're just brand new, like just give everything a shot. Cause you just never know if you just, cause a lot of people kind of just are like, Oh, I just want to sprint because I, that sounds like the best, but then you could be like, not even know that you were an amazing miler or not even know that you were like a long jumper at heart, you know? So I would say just try everything and see if there's anything that not only do you find yourself a little bit good at, but do you find that there's one thing you're willing to, that you see the mountain and you're willing to climb it? Because that was the biggest thing for me is I knew I had a lot better to get in the heptathlon, but I saw the mountain and I was willing to climb it. Uh, teenage Derek Naval did the four by one relay. Love it. Yeah, that was my only event I ever did in track and field. So that's a really fun event to get to. It, do. it was. It was a lot of fun. Some of my favorite memories from high school, actually, we not. So, yeah. So fun. Uh, so what is next for Sheree Hawkins? 
So I am headed to, uh, I start, I start, uh, training on Monday. So that's going to be really, really fun. We are starting, honestly, I'm really not even kidding you. I'm a professional athlete and we are starting by walking and marching. So when I say like, it doesn't always have to, it doesn't always have to say what you're doing, but how often you're doing it. So we just showing up every day and we're just doing a lot of walking. We're doing a lot of jogging and there are, there is running too. Like, unfortunately, yeah, not unfortunately. I love running now, quote unquote, like when it comes to hurdles, we're doing like hurdle walkovers. We're doing hurdle marches. We're doing that kind of stuff instead of just getting right into hurdle technique. Like we're really taking it a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Um, I'll practice basically four days a week. Um, and then my Saturdays will be, um, so I take Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday's off, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturdays, I'll just do like a weight circuit. Um, so I'll just do weightlifting and then Sunday's off. So kind of five days a week, but I don't really count uh, Saturdays because it's really only going to be an hour of my time. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of like a quick little like, yay, you know, easy workout. But then we'll be doing that season starts probably in January, uh, depending on how our indoor season looks. And then we're going for outdoors. So it's going to be a really fun year. That's awesome. So I always like to throw in one fun question as we begin to wrap things up. And that is when you aren't competing and creating amazing social media content, what do you do to relax? Are there any shows you're into music or anything you like to listen to? I'm a bouncer arounder um, because um, I don't know if I, it's because I have like kind of a, I get obsessed with things. As a, I don't know if it's because I'm kind of like, I don't know. I get like lost in life if I don't mix it up a little bit. So I love audible. I love, uh, listening to audiobooks. Um, I love podcasts and I love just like throw away TV shows that are so fun to watch. Like I love the office. I love parks and rec. <laughs> I love friends. I love like, I love all of the, that just like you can turn your brain off and just right. like let it play in the background. So love doing those types of things. I also really love I don't know if I'm the best executor of these plans, but I love planning things. Like I love planning things for my family. Like, oh, I'm going to plan my next family reunion. Or I just like love like planning opportunities and moments. And maybe I'm trying to think of like, oh my gosh, what can I do as soon as track season's over kind of a thing. But I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, I love journaling um, a lot. And I'm not going to lie. I have always been like, oh, I want to be a nap person. You know what I mean? I want to start taking more naps. The couch that's on my porch, um, I started taking naps on the couch outside. It's like the most peaceful. I feel like a, a cat on their little window seal and <laughs> I take naps on them and I wake up and I'm like, that was the best decision of my day. Like this is so fun. I have no idea why just like an, a little quick snooze out on my porch is like just heaven. I also, um, my undergrad and my bachelor's in education, but in my undergrad, it's a uh, culinary arts education. So I also absolutely love cooking. Um, so, so, so much. It's genuinely, I will say that I'm not the best baker. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's mostly because like, I haven't had the opportunity to do much baking because of the way my diet has to be a little stricter during the season. And baking is very science-based and cooking is very like just put in what tastes good kind of a thing. But I've absolutely love, I love cooking. I love following a recipe and I love just like doing whatever I feel like too. So being a, being an Anglophile, are you into the great British bake off? I, <laughs> I haven't been watching it, but I have seen it. Yes. Do you watch it? My wife does obsessively. Okay. I love <laughs> so, it. Um, as we wind down this interview, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Yeah. So I'm on, um, Instagram and TikTok, um, whatever, like you like better. I honestly, I do teaching on both of them. Um, and so the, both of them are underscore Shari Hawkins, C H A R I H A W K I N S underscore Shari Hawkins. Um, and then my program, if you're interested in the program that I literally do myself as a professional athlete, um, that genuinely anybody can do 30 days of Shari. If you're interested in that, you can go to shariHawkins.com and there's like a video and it explains exactly what it is and what you're getting and all that kind of stuff. So that's absolutely available too at sherryhawkins.com. I'm also on YouTube and Twitter as well, but that's probably like the order in which I'm on those things. So awesome. All right, Shari, I end my interviews with my favorite question. Okay. And the question is this, 
if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. I feel like I want to say like the thing that I kind of said earlier when you said with the athletes, like everybody understanding that everybody else around them is just human. But I think I have something better because I that is like so important. I feel like if everybody genuinely did that, the world would be a better place. But I would say this. I would say to step into your own awareness of like life. First of all, the awareness of who you are and look what and like like just who you are truly and be okay with it and love it and be happy about it be in awareness of others around you and be willing to see if somebody's having a bad day how can i make my wife or my husband happier today how can i make life better for my kids like how can i help a stranger in need like just be aware of the people around you and then be aware of your potential and don't don't get yourself like don't like cut yourself off at the waist. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of us just assume that other people have it and we don't have it. And maybe that's why we're so harsh on other people. Cause we assume they have it and we don't, but it's like, you do, you have it exactly the same as everybody else has it. Like more than, you know, like you've got the spark more than, you know, so like, let that be true. Like step into it and be willing to like, see it and go for it. Outstanding. Shari, this has been an uh, absolute huge honor for me and i know my listeners join me wishing you nothing but the absolute best for your thank success you. in the future thank but you. thank you again seriously for coming on yes of course thanks so much for having me and just like that deval nation we come to the end of episode 128 i want to thank sheree for taking the time to come on the show and speak with us in case you didn't pick up on it her and I had a great conversation, and it is my wish that she will come back on the show again when she gets that gold medal in the next Olympics. Tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask, you know what? Have you enjoyed this episode? <laughs> I truly hope you have, so please go hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, <laughs> If you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad, though we do prefer good ones. I'm sure you can understand that. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there. We have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. I've also added more new shirts in there, so please go on and check them out. And there's some truly fun ones on there. You have my word on that. Please go to our website, DerekDevallShow.com. Go in the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tee Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, you know, I heard the news today about President Jimmy Carter entering hospice care. Now, few presidents have been so productive with their retirements than President Carter working with Habitat for Humanity and spearheading so many great projects to benefit mankind, put him head and shoulders above most people I can think of. Regardless of what you believe in, give President Carter a few moments of your time tonight, and perhaps you might find yourself inspired by his example. No star, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show. And we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.